giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the giant robot smashing into other giant robots podcast where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen, and with us today is Tiffany Chu, the CEO at Remix. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So the CEO thing, this is pretty new, am I right? Yes. My first official day was Monday. Congratulations. Thanks. But you were one of the original founders, right? Yes. I was one of the four co-founders and formerly the COO for the past five years and just stepped up into the CEO role. Very exciting. So to get started, um, can you give us the overview of what exactly Remix is? Yes. So Remix is a platform, a software platform to help cities and agencies around the world plan their transportation future. And one of the pieces that we're really excited about because of how fast transportation mobility is changing recently is all of a sudden there is data that we can use to help cities further say, planning public transit, stronger networks for that, uh, planning safer streets, adding bike lanes, transit lanes, moving more people and not just moving cars, and also helping cities plan for all their new shared mobility programs from bike share to scooters and whatever else is going to be landing on our streets in the future. Wow. So I'm admittedly kind of unaware of transit planning, urban planning space, and you just mentioned a whole bunch of things. Can you give me kind of an overview of like who manages the space or like the different entities that are working on these kinds of things? That is such a great question. And most people don't actually know. So if you think about the space in your city, For example, in Boston, where you live, or in San Francisco, where I am, there's a bunch of different public sector agencies that are in charge of different parts of city space. So, for example, the right-of-way, which is the space on the street, it's usually the city or the Department of Transportation under the city or the Department of Public Works under the city. They're the ones that manage that right-of-way between basically building face to building face, so including the sidewalk, including the road itself, and then the sidewalk on the other side, if there is one. There's a different agency, usually the transit agency, that is in charge of actually running and operating any of the public transit systems from buses to rail to maybe a bus plus rail agency. And they usually do not own the right-of-way and manage the street, but they do obviously utilize it and utilize it with all of the people that they're trying to move around efficiently. Is that a private organization? No. So usually if we think about, I'm just going to use Boston because I lived there for eight years and I know your team is largely based there. For example, the transit agency in Boston would be the MBTA and the Mm -hmm. city would be the city of Boston or the city of Cambridge or the city of Somerville. And the MBTA is a larger, more regional agency that provides 
transit service to a large number of regions to be able to stitch the region and connect them together. But there's probably different local rules for the street itself, um, say in the city of Cambridge or Somerville or Brookline. And those cities would be the one, say, building bike lanes or reshaping how the curb is being used. But the MBTA would still be the one kind of running and overseeing the delivery of the transit service. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm stepping out of line here to say that we love complaining about uh, (laughs) public transportation in Boston and San Francisco. What is going on? (laughs) Now that I have you on the line, why is it so difficult for these organizations to make improvements? So I think if you want to dig into that question, you're going to have to take a step back and look at how this work is done in a holistic way, starting with how this work is actually funded. So Mm -hmm. transportation as a whole is a very large part of the infrastructure that we need as cities and states and as a country to run. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the funding that comes down from the federal level is attributed in allocation towards what the federal government thinks is most important. And if you actually look at the numbers themselves, a huge majority of the federal transportation budget goes to really big highway construction, interchange expansions, you know, really, really big interstate capital projects um, that usually benefit getting from one place to another region very, very quickly in the form of highways. What is left when the remaining pie is being divided is a very, very small slice for public transit. And this is true. And if you look at how public transit is funded in a lot of other parts of the world, say Europe, you know, big cities in in Asia, public transit is really treated as, you know, the backbone of cities. It's where Mm -hmm. most people, it's how they can get to work. It defines what kind of lives you lead, you know, where you can visit your friends for, you know, most of the folks in the world who don't have a car. It's, It's basically a lifeline. And I think because of the history of the automobile in the U.S. Uh, specifically, I think we have just developed, our society's just developed in a completely different way, hand in hand with sprawl in urban planning terms. And what that has resulted in is a complete imbalance and underinvestment in public transit funding and all of the other pieces that really support that, for example, walking infrastructure, biking infrastructure, and any other sustainable modes that you can think of that's not just a single occupancy vehicle. So is it a matter of kind of fighting to gain priority over other projects? Is it even between like transportation and other agencies that the funding comes from? Always, always. Mm -hmm. It's that. And it's also really about values. Like what does your city or state value? Do you value people who drive to work every day and find parking and have free parking? Or are you trying to value the people who, you know, maybe are a little bit more under-resourced and actually depend on public transit or other forms of getting around that, you know, require actually a different allocation of space other than just driving lane. Yeah. And you mentioned 
the different forms of transit that maybe we don't even think of as related to public transit, which are literally just like all the ways you're moving around on this public space. And then also that was really interesting about kind of the U.S. relationship with cars and then expanding highways. Do you have any insights about the trends we're seeing and how transportation will be changing in the next five, 10 years? Yes. And we at Remix have the privilege of being able to see those trends happen in real time because we work with about 325 cities around the world in 17 countries. And what we have seen, for example, in in the Netherlands, where our Europe office is based, is I think there were 40% more electric bikes sold in the Netherlands this year than the year before. And obviously, the Netherlands is a huge cycling country, um, really inspirational from a livability standpoint. And to see them embrace electric bikes. um, I know in California, part of the electric vehicle incentive programs there have, there was recently a proposal to also include um, electric bikes. And I think the movement that has become known as micromobility in this space is really exciting and having such a moment right now because the world has realized that as our cities are growing, congestion absolutely is going to continue increasing to a point of also affecting climate change. And we need to figure out not only how to reduce our carbon footprint, but just how to use space more efficiently so we can get people around more and smaller devices more sustainably fueled is obviously the the right way to go. Thanks. I think that was great background for me personally (laughs) to get a better understanding of the space. So I'd love to jump into the founding story of of Remix. How did it all get started? So my three co-founders and I, before we were co-founders, we were colleagues. We were fellows doing a one-year nonprofit fellowship at Code for America in San Francisco. And we were all actually deployed in different cities to do our fellowship project. Um, some of us were in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina, Long Beach, California, Atlanta, Georgia. And Sam, Danny, Dan, and I, we were working on a side project actually with a couple of other fellows. And we were taking a bunch of the awesome new open source mapping components that were just coming out around 2014. And we cobbled together a prototype, just like a nights and weekends project. It was a grassroots prototype to help residents of San Francisco suggest better transit routes to the SFMTA or to Muni, our local transit agency. And you know, just super fun. You can drag and drop a route on a map. It was basically all it was. And it went viral. And a couple of days later, we ended up getting, I think, 200 emails from planners around the world, urban planners, transportation planners saying, hey, I saw what you built. It looks really cool. I would like to use it for my 2040 long range transportation plan in my city. And please build these 20 features that I think would make it better. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And that was the moment when we realized that we had hit upon something. Yeah. Wow. So, (laughs) yeah. How did that conversation go from, you know, side project, this is kind of fun. And then having that overwhelming response, you're kind of thrown into, oh, you know, do we make a go of this? (laughs) Well, 
we didn't even ask that question. It was more just like we were so curious as to what it was that we hit upon. And I have an urban planning and design background, but I wasn't like a transportation planner by profession. So I didn't really understand the exact workflow that we had discovered that we had really developed something that was actually really helpful to people and bypassed a ton of really analog kind of pencil and paper, Excel spreadsheet type of pieces to getting their job done. So the way that we learned that was actually, we called up a bunch of transportation planners in the Bay Area, invited them over for coffee at Code for America, and just asked them, like, what is your job? And walk me through how you do it today. And where and how does Remix even help or scratch the surface of potentially helping? And that uncovered so many areas of opportunity that by the end of the year, by the end of our fellowship, we looked at each other and said, hey, why don't we just follow this thread and see how far it goes? So we ended up incorporating and then we applied to Y Combinator, which kind of gave us the kick in the pants to figure out a business model and we were off to the races. So is the the product or the space that you're in, is that considered civic as an industry, I guess? Yeah, there's a couple of different slices of categories that it could fall into. One of them is definitely civic tech. Another one is gov, gov tech, because we sell our software platform to local governments. There's also the ever-expanding mobility space, transportation space, data all of those are different umbrellas that we could fall under. Mm-hmm. And um, were there other companies in like civic or government-oriented spaces in Y Combinator? No. So that was the interesting thing. Usually there's like a handful of companies in accelerators that are kind of similar to each other, whether it's you know right. developer tools or you know social something or consumer something, enterprise. And then you'll have like the advisors that usually have a similar industry background, right? Right. And for us, we we didn't really know what we were doing there, honestly, at first. And I think we were probably the first maybe like civic leaning company that YC invested in. And what we learned was that we there were actually a lot of best practices that even though we were in this kind of unique space that we could pull from the thousands of software companies that have been through YC before and, and really start to understand how they could fit into a mission-driven civic tech company. And you mentioned that you were able to evolve the business model through that program. Can you talk a little bit about what that process was like or what you ended up deciding as far as that initial uh, like go-to-market direction? Sure. So what, where we ended was we knew that we were solving a pain point, which is the most important thing, and that it was a big enough pain point that you know it was in the direction of product market fit. So because there were so many people who had been using Remix in its prototype phase, we started with those as our first users and we asked them, would you pay for this? And if so, how much? And Mm -hmm. that was obviously a series of conversations, but where it netted out was we could actually be a software tool platform for planning, for envisioning, for public outreach, for a lot of different local governments. And we realized that those just had to be our customers, especially if we were already delivering value with a prototype. So the users are local government? Yes. 
So mm-hmm. our customer base is local governments. And the way that Remix works is we deliver the Remix platform to 300 plus transit agencies, cities, municipalities, and it's basically a software as a service model. And they'll pay an annual mm-hmm. subscription, you know, based on the size of their city for, for access to Remix. And you mentioned that open source plays a part in Remix. Could you talk about that a little bit more? So I think one of the things that Code for America did really well was um, help bring together the open source movement with a lot of innovation in government that was, you know, starting to happen and needed all of the minds to meld together in order for those, those two sides to be connected. So one of the things that we've noticed at Remix is obviously we don't want to reinvent the wheel. There are so many smart people out there building tools that we could use. And one of the ones that we stumbled upon really early on was OpenStreetMap. And that's been just like an incredible platform. And, you know, many other mapping companies and entrepreneurs have discovered this as well. OpenStreetMap, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar, is kind of a Wikipedia for maps. And we use it to, to power our platform. And there are also a lot of really fascinating kind of open source components that we used early on, like a routing engine that we ended up using and building upon. And I would say there's a lot of just open data in general that we benefited from early as a company, one of them being open data standards around transit and transportation data. One of the open data standards, the general transit feed specification, which I'm getting super wonky now, but for example, if that no, didn't, this is really if, interesting. Get into it. <laughs> if that didn't exist in a standardized form that was widely adopted by hundreds of transit agencies around the world, I don't think Remix would be a company today. Yeah, that's amazing. And you say like around the world, is there anything that's kind of country dependent? I imagine maybe some countries have certain kinds of data available, others don't, and then that affects, you know, what's available in the product? Oh, for sure. So I think what is beautiful about civic data is that it is very publicly available in its nature. And one of the things that we've been able to bring in is just like simple census demographic data that would be extremely time consuming for a single data analyst in a city to be able to clean and munge and get it into a visual state that you could actually do something with it and try to communicate something. We have just brought that into the platform as as part of our offering. And it's only augmented by the additional other data sets that the city or the agency has. So for example, ridership, um, there's a new data standard around ridership that we're trying to help push forward in the industry to, to kind of a similar positive effect. And then also a lot of the really awesome new sources of data around bike share and scooters and all of those things really help, you know, when brought together can really open up a city's eyes and be able to see the full transportation picture for the first time. Outside of open source, but kind of related, is there a big role of in-person communities in the Remix story? I would say yes. And the reason why is because if you think about just the practice and the discipline of urban planning, which is what we're about, it is about going into communities, figuring out what they want, and translating it into a way that's some sort of cohesive vision for the community, and then implementing and executing on it. So 
the way that we've approached community, there's kind of two ways. There's the communities that we serve through the cities that we work with and uh, being able to use Remix as a very visually compelling platform that when you look at it, you can understand what your city is trying to communicate and what they're trying to do and kind of breaks out that black box of why is my street under construction today? It's it's for XYZ reason. And here are the, here are the trade-offs and here's how you're going to benefit. Um, I would say public outreach is a huge, huge use case that our customers use Remix for. And that's been pretty instrumental for a lot of the community work that they do. And then the other dimension, which is more internal community at Remix. The mission has really brought together a fascinating group of folks who really care about transportation and urban planning in cities, which I think is fairly rare in Silicon Valley. You know, a large swath of our team regularly goes to public meetings and a lot of nonprofit events will host events at Remix. You know, we've got a few folks on staff here who, you know, lead the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition and work on different district supervisors' campaigns. And it's uh, a very community-driven team. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, host our own events. Like we have a Women in Urbanism uh, event series that we do regularly. And yeah, it's been cool to see community grow in, in both directions. So Remix is five years old. What have those five years looked like? Have there been major inflection points along the way in your growth? Yes, there's been, I mean, ups and downs, even in the course of a day for me, there's many ups and many downs. Startup life. Yeah. I think in our five years, early on, we were just trying to see if this was even possible. And we have a few folks on our team who've been around from, you know, year one and that was such a magical time because we went from basically zero to one and that gave us the confidence and the optimism that we could actually have an impact in this space and for cities. So that was a really incredible kickoff to us even being a company and a team. I think over the last couple of years, there have been a ton of existential questions around, you know, what kind of company do we want to be? What's our product roadmap? How do we want to expand? We had a big inflection point about two years ago when we realized that we wanted to expand beyond just transit and we wanted to help transit succeed, but in ways that were actually in the realm of helping other adjacent city departments being able to prioritize the street in in ways that we wanted to see people being prioritized. And so that meant moving into a product or a platform that helps bring in street design capabilities and bring in data about collisions and safety and movement counts and all of that stuff that wasn't really within the jurisdiction of a our first product, but we had a vision that we wanted to expand the platform to be able to, mm-hmm. to empower more cities to do that work too. So I guess going from a singular product to multiple products on a singular platform has been a huge evolution of our company and our team and our vision. And so are the different products each based on the type of transportation? It's loosely based on the goal that the persona wants to achieve. Mm -hmm. So for example, the first one is around helping transit agencies design 
stronger transit systems and networks. The second one is for someone who is probably an urban designer or someone you know who's in charge of figuring out how to add a bike lane on this extremely congested street. Got it. And then the third one is for someone who's maybe the bike share manager or the mobility coordinator in a city who now not only deals with bikes, but literally, you know, the 10 other modes that the city has to wrangle and really be responsible for as part of a holistic transportation system. That makes sense. Yeah, they're all looking to do different things, um, but you're able to guide the way in each of those scenarios. What have you been responsible for as the COO? What has that role looked like at Remix? I think for founders, each founding team kind of figures out the areas of responsibility and division of labor. And early on, because I do have a planning background, I quickly became kind of the face and the voice of the company, really representing us out in the world, meeting with customers, sharing where we were going and what we were building and how that would meet their needs. So a lot of the external facing stuff, which was a little bit non-traditional, but I also had a strong hand in hiring and building the team and figuring out our company values and our forms. Those things all make sense then that you would be a natural fit to also transition to the CEO role as the face and voice of the company, you know, leading the values. I imagine you're excited about this uh, (laughs) next step in the journey. Yeah, I mean, it's excitement mixed with like 12 other emotions at all times. (laughs) Yeah. You know, initially being overwhelmed and then, you know, being really energized by the ability to be the one person in charge of leading the whole company. Like, oh my gosh, how many times does that opportunity cross your path? And so I I decided to take it. Amazing. Yeah. And before Code for America, I'd love to learn a little bit about your career trajectory. You mentioned MIT as well. What has this path looked like for you leading up to Remix? It's been pretty meandering in that I (laughs) completely 100% thought when I stepped foot at MIT that I was going to come out an architect. And I tried. (laughs) Architecture school was a beautiful and a painful thing simultaneously. And I ended up realizing that I was not only excited about the design of buildings, but the design of things macro to buildings. So, you know, urban space and also things micro to building. So, you know, product and user experience design. And my first job out of school was at a consultancy also based in Boston called Continuum. And that experience gave me the full landscape of what design could be. It was amazing. And ended up realizing that I really wanted to focus on user experience design. And that led me to working at Zipcar, which then opened up kind of the transportation cities lens to me. And Oh, uh, yes. It's all coming together now. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I knew I wanted to work at the intersection of design, uh, technology, and cities. And so that, that led me to where I am now. Well, that also makes sense thinking back to, you know, you were talking about after going viral, getting all that media coverage that your your first instinct was to do way more user research and understand <laughs> the, the pains, a, a, like a true UX designer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what's next for Remix and you? 
What are the, the top challenges on your mind that you're thinking of as you step into the CEO role? So what I'm realizing is that running an organization is kind of like the ultimate design challenge. It's kind of an overwhelming design challenge, but it can be designed in a way that achieves outcomes that you want. And for us, I want us to stay mission-focused in that we want to help build more livable cities in whatever way that we can. We're focusing on transportation for now because it's such a meaty space and it just changes every six months into something else. So there's so much work to do here. I would say one area of exploration that we're doing in, in a pretty focused way right now is figuring out how to expand internationally. And we started with our new small office in Europe. We're learning so incredibly much about how different cities and different countries approach transportation mobility, which is obviously very closely tied to their concepts of culture and governance and livability. Mm -hmm. And so everything that we're learning from our customers in, in Europe, we're bringing back into the platform because it's, it's software as a service. Everyone benefits from the features that you build and push out. And we just onboarded recently our first customer in Latin America. We're working with Panama City. And I think there's a whole wealth of opportunity in Latin America, especially as the birthplace of the concept of bus rapid transit. And also, I think there's really exciting stuff potentially in, in Asia and the Middle East as, as those cities start to grow at a really, really rapid pace. Wow. Can we expect another office popping up? <laughs> we're going to be responsible. Take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. But we're going to we're going to see how, you know, what the market tells us and expand in a way that is thoughtful. Yeah. And are you also uh, localizing the product? So that's definitely something that we've been talking about. We mm -hmm. have been doing some kind of minor localization efforts, especially when it comes to public outreach, for example, in Finland, we work with a ton of municipalities in Finland for some reason. It's been really interesting to see how like the Finnish language fits into a U.S. product and platform. Mm -hmm. And so we've been having to make some tweaks on the public facing end for public outreach and public consultation so that that really resonates with folks in different languages. Yeah. How many people are in the company? Uh, we're right around 65 65. And are you hiring? Do you, you have any uh, calls to action for our listening audience? Yes. In fact, we are. <laughs> uh, we have a number of engineering roles that are open. We've been really growing our product engineering team and also our data engineering team. So if either of those areas are exciting to you, please let me know, tiffany at remix.com. And also hiring for our go-to-market team. So if you're excited about sales or business development, about working with cities and helping them approach old problems in new ways, call me too. <laughs> and you mentioned your email. If folks want to follow along with you or Remix, what's the best way to do that? Yes. Yeah, so we uh, have a couple of public channels and feeds. If you want to follow Remix on Twitter, we're at Remix. If you want to follow me, I'm at teachu88. And if you're in San Francisco and want to come by our office, want to attend one of our Women in Urbanism events, email me and I can get you on that list. 
Well, Tiffany, thanks so much for joining me today. It was fantastic learning about your background and Remix. It's been a joy chatting. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Lindsay. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Austin, London, and Raleigh-Durham, let's build something great together.